Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Today, my name is Terry Fletcher. We are at the 235th episode of the CodeCast Podcast, and we are in well into April. And today, my topic, I really want to talk about medical acronyms. And some of you are thinking, what does that mean? Well, we get a lot of abbreviations and three, four, five-letter acronyms. And I think we have some experts out there, and I'm air quoting, who tend to believe that everyone has the same level of knowledge when it comes to uh, shortcuts for medical terminology. And I think that's unfair. And so I wanted to give you some information that at some point you may have to write down and re-listen to the podcast. But I was in a meeting recently and I saw a staff member having a conversation with her physician. We were both having this conversation and there were probably three C-suite people there. It was pretty big practice. And everything that the physician was talking to the staff member about, she didn't know. She was actually on her laptop Googling everything the physician said, trying to figure out what the heck were those acronyms. And I actually felt really bad for her because if you don't have a clinical background or you have not really read up on some of these acronyms or uh, shortcuts, uh, abbreviations, then you would not know what you're dealing with when you're asked to do a task or provide a service or even read an op report. So let's get a refresher. And again, I would re-listen to this at some point so you can make you and your staff a reference key um, that they can look back on. Remember, I never say cheat sheet. Don't ever use those words. Not around me anyway, because if you're ever in a deposition, the opposing attorney will ask you who you're trying to cheat, and you never want to have to answer that question. So reference guides, reference tools, reference keys, anything like that is absolutely fine. First of all, I want to let you know that the public health emergency for Medicare CMS was extended. I should say for HHS, but it really affects what Medicare is doing. Was extended uh, effective April 16th, so that'll take us to July 16th, 90 days. And then we also have that congressional extension from the Consolidated Appropriations Act that was signed March 10th. So once the PHE ends, we will have an extension of telehealth another 151 days. So that would take us probably to the end of 2022, somewhere around the third week in December. And they're saying that this is going to be the last extension. So make sure your physicians are aware of that and pay attention to that. There are some um, reports that are due by MedPAC and OIG through HHS to determine if the extension should be permanent, what extension should be permanent, I should say, to the telehealth um, system and delivery of medicine. And there's a lot of pushback and push and pull on what should be extended, what shouldn't be extended, what's working, what's not working. And I'm seeing a lot of physicians saying that, you know, they're having a hard time understanding um, IT when it comes to telehealth. I know that a lot of patients have a really tough time with it. And so a lot of your medical assistant staff who have had to on the fly be trained on how all this works, have to basically train the patient and then train the physician and then open up the visit. So there's some challenges, especially having really good internet access as well, or I should say broadband because without high-speed internet, the audio and video cuts out, as you've probably seen on any Zoom call you've been on. Some people have really good access, some people don't, or I should say speed. But the one thing I just read in, I think it was uh, Healthcare 
Fierce Healthcare or Healthcare, some, some article I read, and I was so disappointed in the wording in this article. Basically, you talked about the extension, talk about, you know, talked about why it's important to have telehealth. And I agreed with everything right up until the point they said, and the midterms are coming up for elections. And so nobody wants telehealth on the table. So they're going to extend the public health emergency to make sure that that's in place and it's not a, a political situation. It's a political situation if you're extending the public health emergency when it's not necessary because of elections. Irrespective of elections, you extend if it's necessary, if, the, if in fact we have a public health emergency. So I was really upset about that. But either way, we want to make sure that you understand that just because it was extended, uh, CMS also issued some alerts as far as what waivers are expiring in 30 days, 60 days, and then what to expect from the public health emergency itself that doesn't have to do with the COVID-19 FAQ sheet. So read up on those because nursing homes are getting a hit. Doctors that were um, basically coming out of retirement or seeing patients across state lines, there are some things there that you may not be aware of, but some states have already let those waivers expire. And so just to, just to bring it to your attention, you really need to do your due diligence to find out, let's say you're practicing Florida and you're seeing a patient who is in North Dakota, well, you need to find out if it's okay to do that because not only Florida and North Dakota, but if your physician isn't licensed there in that state has a ban against it or they let their waiver expire because a lot of states feel the PHE is over, then your physician could have some kind of a malpractice issue going on. It's definitely liability. So make sure that you are checking on that. Bring this to your attention of your administrators, your office managers, and anybody who's in charge of that kind of um, administrative work. Okay, let's get back to our topic, and we want to talk about our um, acronyms and what things mean. So first, we want to talk about CPT. Now, we know that is the current procedural terminology book. That's what we use for our five-digit codes to report services to the payers. Now, we also have the HICSPIX book, which is the Healthcare Procedural Code System, and that is Medicare primarily. And that's where we get a lot of our information when it comes to um, drugs and listed services and um, just things that we charge for extra. Okay, so make sure you're always looking at that and, you know, injectables, um, supports, you know, I'm trying to think of everything that's in there. Another acronym POS. Okay, that doesn't mean what we want to call people. Sometimes that means place of service. I'm in a mood today, sorry. But that means place of service. And you may see that in, before you see in parentheses um, an actual place of service digit. You know, I'll tell you why I'm in a mood. I'm so mad at my daughter right now. You know, it's a podcast. I'm just going to tell you. So if I seem a little snarky today, it has nothing to do with you guys. It has to do with the fact that I'm pretty mad at Summer. She's been married for a month. She was supposed to have her thank you cards, not only for her bridal shower that I hosted, but also for her gifts out within two weeks. Not only did we get these custom made that look like her invitation, but we also had a separate really pretty one for her um, bridal shower. We I also stamped them for her. What mother does that? And all she had to do, she had all the address lists. All she had to do was fill it out, send, send them out. And I said, take them to the post office because you have about 70 of them. What'd she do? She put them on top of a mailbox where her new house is by her association, 
after five o'clock. And of course, things were vandal vandalized. So nobody got them or only a couple people did. And now she's got to do them all over and it's past a month. So I'm really mad at her today. So I just put that out there. If you hear it in my voice, we just had an argument about 10 minutes ago. So thank you for letting me vent for a minute. But oh, man, I'm so mad right now. Okay, so let's get back to this. Now we want to talk about HIPAA as far as an acronym. H-I-P-A-A, remember, you know how much it frosts my cookies when people do not write the correct acronym. Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Yes, some of it has to do with privacy, but a lot of it has to do with patient privacy and not spreading information around if you are a HIPAA entity. So you need to know that. CMS, that is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. Um, it's interchangeable with Medicare. So, but that's when you say CMS, that's what is both of them. APP. So if you ever see that, those are, that's now new. That's actually cash payment applications. Whenever you see the, the acronym app, that's usually an application. And I talked about some of those last week when you're using anything like um, Venmo or uh, Trell or um, Cash App or anything like that. Uh, make sure that you know those are not HIPAA entities. And if the patient doesn't use private, you're responsible. And then AAP, that's the Advanced Accelerated, Accelerated Payments from Medicare. Hopefully nobody did that, but those are now becoming due. Whenever you hear me talk about um, the CF, that is Conversion Factor. So that is an acronym that applies to the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. Uh, PHE, Public Health Emergency. Don't get that confused with PPE. So that's when we, we have that um, patient protective equipment, okay? And then MPFS, that's the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. OIG, Office of Inspector General, remember to know that they're part of the HHS. They're the offshoot that monitors what's going on as far as fraudulent information. PRF, Provider Relief Funding. Now, there's been another window opened up that you can actually file if you didn't already file your paperwork to account for how you spent the money. Remember, you had to do that. So if you didn't do that, they're asking for it back now on phase one. But they did give you a window from April 11th to April 20th to basically kind of ask for mercy that there was extraordinary circumstances, or I think they call them extenuating circumstances. One of them could even be that you forgot to press send, I swear. Some of the things they let you guys do, but it just, you, you knew about this for a long time, so you really should have uh, fo followed up and made sure you filed appropriately. But if you didn't, you got a little bit of relief. Uh, MedPAC, that's actually a really big one. Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, and it's usually M, small ed, and then capital PAC, so MedPAC. What this organization does is they make determinations based on statistical information and the history of how things are reported and billed and um, where we are when it comes to um, inflation and the cost of living and all of that. And that's another um, acronym I'll talk to you about. But really looking at um, should uh, physicians get a raise? Should ASCs get a raise? Um, how much um, should we deal with incident two, for example, or should that be done away with? So this advisory commission has a lot to do with reimbursement on a Medicare side. So you really want to know what MedPAC is. PAYGO, P-A-Y-G-O, so that's federally mandated pay-as-you-go deficit controlled budget rules. So your uh, current, the current president, he, their administration, they've spent trillions of dollars. 
and to basically balance that out or, you know, where that, where's that money coming from besides printing it in the basement is basically you have to attack certain agencies and certain programs under the federal budget that you can pull from. So you know that your sequestration suspension that was there from 2011, we already had that reinstated uh, at 1% starting April 1st to June 30th, and it's going to then go back up to 2% starting July 1st all the way to 2030. Well, the PAYGO is going to be another attack. We're looking at 4% starting um, on January 1st, 2023. So you need to, re anything you see that says PAYGO, you need to read it. The OCR, that's the Office of Civil Rights. Um, when we talk about HIPAA, a lot of the complaints that are filed with HIPAA, especially against non-HIPAA entities, are usually forwarded to the Office of Civil Rights. So did you violate anybody's rights by certain things that you did? So that's uh, you should definitely know that. And then HHS, that's our Health and Human Services. They're the ones that are making the rules, that are that are um, re-extending, I should say, since it's been nine times. The um, I don't even think that's a word, but we're going to make it a word. The PHE, and they get their information from what the Social Security Act tells them to do. Um, calendar year. So before I mention CF conversion factor, CY is calendar year. If you see NSA, that almost seems like a, a military function, doesn't it? That's the No Surprises Act. And I've actually done a couple webinars on that and given you some information uh, on podcasting as we've done that. So make sure you're up on that No Surprise Act. The biggest one with the NSA, the No Surprises Act, is for me, it, yes, you have to have you know good faith estimates for uninsured and self-pay patients. You have to make sure that you know how to negotiate your um, in-network rate if you're at an uh, in-network hospital and you're an out-of-network provider. But the biggest thing is you have to make sure that your practice information is updated in the patient directory and the payer directory. Otherwise, you could be dropped from the plan for no reason. And so that was one of the big things that seems to be overlooked when anybody talks about the NSA or the No Surprise Act. P remote patient monitoring, that's RPM. So that is a, a one that you want to know. And then whenever you see COLA, no, that's not a Coke or Pepsi. That is cost of living assessment. So when you're looking at cost of living adjustment, really, that's what the COLA acronym is. Now, we also know we have some within our own um I should say specialty or our own professionalism. We have AAPC, American Academy of Professional Coders. We have AHIMA, American Health Information Association. And there's all, there's all kinds of different acronyms when we look at some of those um, PMI, Practice Management Institute, some of those bodies that are able to uh, credential us as far as coding or compliance or reimbursement or anything like that. So make sure that you're aware of some of those. NSCHBC, I mention them all the time, National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. Oh, and there is a free webinar coming up, and it is on Wednesday the 20th, so it's tomorrow. Uh, it's at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. And you might want to take a look or take a listen, I should say. It's on legal trends in healthcare, and it's going to be presented by uh, Brianna Santoli. She's actually my cousin, uh, my, my cousin's daughter, so my second cousin, um, but just a great attorney out of New Jersey, and she's going to be talking about a few things. And you can find that on the NSCHBC website, uh, nschbc.org, and it's a free webinar. So if anybody wants to listen in, feel free to do that. Just make sure it'll say a drop-down screen. Are you a member? No, just say that you are a, a client 
um, member, that would be me. So just make sure that, that you put that in there. And then um, there's all kinds of other things that we look at. Um, for example, I'm on Talk 10 Tuesday, TTT. And then let's look at a couple of others that we really uh, think about a lot of times when we think of acronyms. ACC, American College of Cardiology, AAOS, American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, and the list goes on. So also know your acronyms when it comes to your associations as well. Two important acronyms would be ENM, which is Evaluation and Management Services. We're talking about office visits, hospital visits, anything we report out for a patient encounter. MDM, that's our medical decision making. So a lot of acronyms here that are going to be important with how you basically work and you want to have a list if you can. Also make sure that not only do you have a list of those, have a list of your new modifiers and make sure you put definitions for your staff. You want to make them as as successful as possible. And you can only do that by giving them the tools to make sure they know what's going on. Okay, so I want to talk about some coding questions here. So I'm going to give you a couple of questions that came in on shared or split visits. So a question came in that said, Terry, if both providers document time, but they also document the full history exam and medical decision making of, a, let's say a hospital encounter, and the time isn't supportive, but the full elements of the uh, exam and history and medical decision-making are meeting the criteria. Um, do, can we bill based on whoever did the better job? So I think what they're asking is that if there's some time, but there's more information on the um, all the elements of the service, uh, can we bill it based on who you know who's going to get paid better? Well, there's nothing that says, you, you know, one takes precedence over the other. But remember, you have to use the 95 and 97 guidelines for hospital visits. I think that's been missed lately. And you can use either time or the key components. But remember, the guidelines say that if you're using time, 50% or more has to be spent counseling. So if you're using that, you have to make sure that you are using the correct rules. And then sometimes the guidelines aren't that specific sometimes. But here's one that is interesting. So for an initial visit, the let's say in the hospital, uh, the 99223 requires three out of three components for billing. And the billing MD would need to document a comprehensive history and a comprehensive AN and medical decision making of high complexity. Is that correct? No. So what the provider who's billing it out has to do, and don't forget, you're also going to need the FS modifier they have to complete one of those components in its entirety. Okay, so let's say that you're billing under the physician's NPI number. The physician has to document at least one key component it's in, in its entirety. Now the, the, um, the entire document still has to meet three out of three, so you can have your mid-level that does the history and exam, but if your physician wants to have it billed out under their provider number, their NPI number, they have to make sure that the substantive portion, so the one who bills the service, they are the ones that are billing out under the, um, the either the exam history or MDM in its entirety. They're documenting that completely. So let's say the NP saw the patient first and they did a little bit of the, or they did the full history and exam. They did a little bit of the medical decision-making by ordering a test and maybe ordering a diagnostic. And then your physician came in, said, I agree, I agree, and then signed off on the note. 
And that's not enough. Even if they just put a little bit of information on what they're going to do with the patient. Again, they would have to complete one of those elements in its entirety. And remember, yes, you still need three out of three components for billing because it's the 95 or 97 guidelines. But to bill it under your provider, they have to have one of those elements completely done by them. So that's that's basically what they're talking about. And it's going to be very hard to police, but the FS modifiers was what is going to allow Medicare to do that because now they can track it. And I guarantee you any physician that is putting the FS modifier and getting 100% of the allowable instead of the 85% if it was a mid-level will be audited. I can just guarantee it because Medicare thinks that this is going to save them money. And so when they think that all of a sudden that there's a loophole or they're finding that they're seeing a lot more physician claims um, because they don't feel that's the standard of care, the standard of care, they believe that the mid-level providers are doing everything. And then the doctors are coming over saying, I agree. And I agree. And I'm, and then signing off on it. And let's face it, that is what's been happening. So to automatically change their workflows and say, oh, no, I'm going to be doing the substantive portion, or I'm going to be spending greater than 50% of the time with the patient doesn't make sense to Medicare. So you have to put the FS on it if that is the provider that's billing it, if they did the correct documentation, either with time or medical decision making. And then that that provider could be audited because now they can find a way to track it. So you don't have an option whether to use it or not, but just know that's what you're opening yourself up for. So you want to be clear on that. Okay, and our coding questions are brought to you today by Citibank Advantage Card. Go to Citibank.com to find the right card for you. Start earning miles, points, and benefits from CitibankAA.com. Okay, so my personal tidbit this week, I just wanted to say happy Easter and happy Passover to those of you that celebrated this past week. I know there's a lot of flowers out there. Also, if you get a chance, I know I always talk about sunsets and the beach and things like that because of where I live, but try to just get up early one day and go look at a sunrise. It is just, it's amazing. And no matter where you live, if you've got, you know, some water there and you can do that, some kind of ocean. It just kind of gives you a new hope that things will get better. Perfect example, and this is really sad that this is what got better this week. So our gas prices here in California topped $7 a gallon a week ago. If you don't think I don't want to punch sand, you're crazy. But on Sunday, they we actually had $6.59 of the pump. All I can say is that's something. So hopefully things are at least looking up a little bit. But for those of you that are um, paying high prices for gas like, like I am, be happy you don't have California gas prices. That's all I can say. So that's it for me this week. Make it a great day. Make it a great week. And I'll talk to you next week on the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma. Music producer Assassin Music. <laughs>